This is the Benefits Buzz Podcast, your weekly pulse on what's happening in the world of employee benefits. Brought to you by your friends at WEX, who believe in simplifying benefits for everyone. Now listen up, and let's get buzzed! Hey, when I say benefits, you say buzz. Benefits. Benefits. I thought uh, we agreed you weren't going to sing anymore. <laughs> that wasn't singing. And Kelsey, you totally missed your part. Well, <laughs> welcome, everyone. Supposed to, we're supposed to help on that? Sorry. <laughs> Curtis, you're our guest. You don't come in until later. Sorry. <laughs> <Okay, all right. laughs> welcome, everybody, to a wild beginning to a Benefits Buzz podcast. I'm your host, Eric Killa, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey Burgad, who just doesn't know how to do the uh, chant and repeat, apparently. Kelsey, welcome. Well, you, you have to give me a forewarning. If I'm at a basketball game, I know that I'm about to like join in, but not at the beginning of a podcast. I mean, you got to give me a forewarning. I like to keep these intros uh, off the cuff, and so it's okay. Next time, I know you'll get it. Uh, our constant pursuit for the best opening of the Benefits Buzz podcast. Not sure that's going to qualify. But, the saga uh, continues. Yes, it does. Uh, we have 30 more episodes to get it right. Uh, well, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, we have a colleague, friend, an expert in HR recruiting and retention. We have Curtis Karn, who uh, is Global Talent Acquisition here at WEX. And we've seen a lot of, of changes, right? Uh, among the many things we've talked about in this podcast that have changed in the HR world. Recruiting and retention is just another feather in the cap for something to HR pros to deal with uh, post-pandemic here. And um, the world has really opened up, right? If remote working wasn't already uh, something to contend with, it certainly is now. And so we're going to dive into what HR pros need to do to do a great job uh, in this day and age with recruiting and retaining great talent. And to do that, Curtis Karn. Hey, man, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Kelsey, Eric, and I agree. Give us a little warning, Eric, and we can help you out on the chant repeat. So, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Next time, maybe we'll try it. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, we're yeah. past. The moment is past. The chant <laughs> failed, uh, but we will recover on this podcast episode. I guarantee it, listeners. Um, well, well, let's let's just talk. Uh, let's talk. Start by talking, Curtis, about. You know, maybe that's the snapshot. Like, right? Like, you have been recruiting for Wex, um, you know, throughout this pandemic. Uh, and I know the world has changed for you. The way in which you recruit talent has changed for you. So maybe let's start by you just talking about what have you seen as the biggest change, and how have you had to pivot? You know, at a high level standpoint, when it comes to recruiting good talent. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the big thing that we've seen, especially within this this pandemic and working from home, is there's not that on-site premise that we've, we've had before with a lot of places. And we knew that some of the transitions were still going to work from home and a lot of companies had already taken that, that, that leap. Um, but now more companies have to do it and more organizations have to do it. And specifically with our company, we had a lot of locations that we could bring people in. And when you're recruiting for individuals, I, I always say that, you know, if you can get them on campus, it's like a college recruiting trip. If you can mm -hmm. get them on campus, they can feel the culture, they can feel the organization, they can feel that, and that's changed. We have to now be able to connect with people virtually first um, and then find a way to make that connection that way uh, because you can't bring them on site. You can't bring them into the buildings anymore right now. Um, is that gonna change 
Probably, but I think we've figured out through this entire pandemic that there's going to be some sort of virtual um, work from home aspect that's not going to go away. And you're going to see transition to more companies with that flexibility, I think, and in, in offering that to, to employees because we've seen a lot of positives from it. Um, but from a recruiting standpoint, it's all about connecting with the individual. It's about connecting with the person that you're on the other side with. And, and, and having that. And it's hard to do virtually, but you, you can find that commonality um, with the individual to make that experience pleasant for them. That's what you shoot for as a positive applicant experience through the process. You already said something that just totally just enthralled me, which is that your comparison to getting students on campus, right? And like, I remember doing, you know, work with universities and say like, if we can get them to campus, there's an 85% chance they're going to matriculate next fall. Um, and like, so right, you can't, they can't feel that culture. They can't see where they're working, right? You don't have a cool slide to show off, right? When you're showing them around, right? Like, so how do you, how do you like extend and help them feel that culture? Um, does that kind of like fall on your shoulders, you know, Curtis, like yeah. as an HR pro shoulders to do that? Or how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why our recruiting team, I think, is so good at what we do, because we do really try and connect that. We say why we enjoy working there. We ask them the question, why did you apply? You know, you find those reasons of why the individual's in front of you. You know, not only do their qualifications, and their skills meet the, the position itself, but then we can find out what else drew you to the organization? What drew you to our company? Um, and it's typically something that they've connected with either core values or they've seen something on the website that they connect with because in this virtual world now so many more people are going remote that there's a lot of different options with 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 organizations and really companies want you to see who they are and and, and how they feel because like you you talk about getting them on campus well we now have to do that kind of through our website through our online presence uh that side of it but then when you be able to get in front of them that passion still has to come from you that you really echo those things that your organization stands for. And if you have more than one person in the interview process, it's good to show that connection as well. You know, that's why we bring in other team members. We bring in other people to have that too, because you see how people interact and that's what people want to be a part of when they're going for a role. Yes, they're interested in the job, but they're also interested in the people they work with. What's the company like? And you're really representing that anytime you're having a conversation with an applicant, uh, either a phone screen or a video call all the way through the, the, the process. So they have to connect with that. They have to feel that. And I always say when you are excited about your organization, it shows, right? You can't fake passion in my mind. And so that's really why our recruiters are so good because we do really like where we work and like the people that we work with and we want this person to come on board. I think that's one of the most important things, right? Is these people are looking for like a home, if you will. You spend a majority of your time at work every single day and you know, the, you can't fake passion. You want to come to work and you want to enjoy the people you're working with. So if you're sitting you know, virtually one-on-one -on -one with a recruiter and they're like, okay, here's everything that you need to know. And it's like a little bit boring or dull, or you're not getting them excited about it, showing them like what every single day is going to be like. I imagine that's really hard for a prospect to be like, oh, do I really want to work there? It's almost like you need a little robot that you can like drive around the building and be like, this is what it looks like, or this is what it's like. You know what I mean? Um, you know, it, it's interesting you say that because I think uh, we have more and more opportunities with this. And we've kicked around ideas of getting like a virtual tour of spaces so that you can like walk people through that to see, oh, hey, as I'm coming in the door, this is what it looks like here because maybe they're in a different state. But if the company is 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 has a, a physical location somewhere, you can at least see kind of what that feels like as you're going in there to, to, to have that, that connection as well, yeah. 
Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. You have to get really creative with it, I suppose. So what would you say are some of those other creative ideas that you guys have kicked around to really change how you're recruiting in this virtual world? Yeah, a lot of it is just connecting uh, virtually and finding a way to do that. If that's via the web page or online or other ways to, to get in there. And it's really showing that cultural side of it, the community side of it, the people that are involved. And not that that wasn't the case before, but I think it's even more important now because if I am going to be kind of by myself in my basement, what's that team look like? What's that dynamic look like there? And it's really showcasing that and it's, you know, when you're in when you're in your recruiting, there's really an applicant brand and then there's like a company brand. And the company is always focused on sales and revenue and what the products are, right? Applicant brand is very focused on the people, the community, the culture, um, the growth potentials within those roles. And so it's a little bit different because it still has to come back to the same brand. But um, the, the applicant side is that's what people want to know. You know, a lot of the times that we're having conversations, um, people will uh, we always ask the question, do you know what our organization does? Just to get a little B to see if they've done some, some sort of research or something on it. But a lot of times they're like, I don't really get it. Um, but I saw that it was this core value that drew me to you. Oh, you guys do a lot with community. That, that intrigued me. I liked your webpage. It has a good feel of what your culture's like. And that's really what's driving people to us is number one, yes, maybe a little bit about the job, but then two, how they connect with the organization through our social media, through our virtual platforms to do that. So really doubling down on that, I think, for, for the most part, to be able to make sure that we have that presence. Yeah, I mean, I love the comparison of sales because truly that's really what it is. You guys are almost functioning as your own sales team where it's like, yeah. hey, we're trying to get you to come here. And I want to talk a little bit about what that means, especially now that more companies are opening up to you can work anywhere and work for us because it sounds like a lot of companies are just going to go that way, even if they weren't previously. So have you seen a lot more competition where you feel like you're having to sell really hard on this um, potential employee coming to us versus somewhere else because, you know, they can be recruited in San Francisco or LA or wherever. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we used to have that, we used to have a saying that, oh, this person can go across the street for a buck, right? And now it's this person can go anywhere in the US for a buck more, right? And so it's really the case of making sure that we can say why we think this organization is important, what we do is important, who we work with is important, how that connects. Um, and then once we get them in, we have to make sure that they stay growing, right? And that's another part of human resources, not only on the front, but as we bring them in, making those connections, making sure that they have the um, uh, back, background and the software to be able to do what they need to do, the training and an advancement too. Because really a lot of the, the, the questions that we get from applicants right now um, is what's my growth potential? You know, what's your culture like? and What's your flexibility now is even coming in there now too with the work from home status because that's where we're at. So it is really hard because you now have to, you don't maybe have a regional footprint anymore um, that you can draw on. It has to be a national side of it. And so that's why it's even more important to make sure that you have those things behind you with the website and everything else so that they can mm -hmm. find you, they can connect in some way, shape or form. Yeah. You're starting to hit on some of the things I know our, our listeners are probably dying to figure out, right? Like, there's this huge shift to work remote, work from home. Uh, maybe there's a the big talk is a, a hybrid, right? Like all of these organizations and, and somewhere our listeners are going to fall in that sliding scale of like, nope, we're still going back 100% in the office. Nope, we're going 100% remote. And that probably changes the entire dynamic 
um, one of, of maybe the, the the recruitment process. But what I'd love to hear, like before, you used to have a, if you're really if your workspace was really cool, that was like one of the cool things that you had in your arsenal of why you want to work here. And now, what your first day means is well, you're going to sit in your home office or wherever you're at, and that's what your first day experience is. So what I would love to hear from you, Curtis, is are there tips to like in this new virtual hybrid, whatever world it looks like um, as we're kind of going into the rest of 2021, what are some tips that are things that you've employed or, or uh, that you're starting to employ to get past the barrier of recruiting a in a virtual world and potentially without an office as a as a home base for them to get experience of what does it mean to, to work at your company? Yeah, I think you have to be very, very conscious of those warm touch points as that person's coming into the organization before you can see them, right? You can see that they're at their desk. If they have trouble, they kind of put their hand up and they lean back saying, I need some help. You just have to be so much more conscious of those touch points as they're going through because as an employee coming into an organization, I don't know what I don't know, right? And then when you put that on a virtual level, that elevates even more of like, I have no idea where I'm supposed to go find this information. I have no idea how to get this. And so really having our managers make sure that they're keeping those touch points on those individuals as they're going through training. We have an awesome training group that basically makes sure everybody's where they need to be for those first kind of two weeks as they're coming into the position. Um, and then making those connections and keeping those touch points, right? Weekly meetings, uh, meetings every couple of days as they're coming in that start. Because you have to be so much more conscious of it now because they're not physically sitting in or around where you're at. And we even have had this with with um, work from homes before um, and, and what we did. And it was really just making sure you're having those touch points and making those human connections in a virtual world um, and being very authentic about it, I think, right? It's not just like tapping in and being like, are you there? I can see if you're there on I am, right? It's like, how are things? What's going on? What's happening that's difficult? How's the training going? Do you have questions? And so it's just really being very, very conscious of that and making sure that you're having those touch points. Yeah, I saw some stat it was, and it's, it's probably different, but it, and I'm gonna just probably butcher it. But it was like within the first within the first hour of someone's first day, they've <clears throat> made a judgment whether they made a good decision or a bad decision about coming to work at a place, right? And before you had your environment, you had your spaces, you had people, you had you were meeting people, you were seeing smiles, and now that's really. <laughs> It's Curtis Carnes smiling at you with the, your guitars in the background saying, hey, we're so glad you're here. And, you know, like, so I, I think that's really important to get, like, when you think, again, if I make the parallel of marketing, right, like getting them to say, yes, I want to come here. Your job isn't really done. You're still, you're still selling. You're still marketing their decision that they made the right one, that they're going to be happy here. Um, you have to think about that maybe even a bit more than you did in the past or, or, or am I jumping to conclusions there, Curtis? No, I, I I would say it's even probably less than the first hour, Eric. To be honest with you, you know, it's probably it, it's happened so quickly, and that's why you have to make sure that that onboarding experience is 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 good. And it's hard in a virtual world too because technology, right? If something's not working, if something's not connecting, those people are then frustrated in what's going on, and it's nobody's fault. It's what we deal with, but we can get them through that hard. We always say that's the hardest part, right? We got you logged in. We got you in the meeting. Now you're here. The hardest part of your day is done. You're logged in. You're here. We can have a conversation. Um, and then we can walk them and get them to where they need to be. But that's always the hardest part. Um, but that always comes into our head. And you're right. It's, it's, such, a, it's such a snap judgment of, of how it feels in the, those, those first crucial uh, minutes within the organization even. And then that works over to their first 30 days, right? 30, 60, 90 days, things of that nature. 
I want to back up a little bit because we're talking a lot, which is great. We're talking a lot about like once they're actually like signed on and, you know, they're in the onboarding phase, like, and this is all great stuff because it's so important to make them feel like they're welcome and make sure that they're, you know, feeling good within the first couple of days or weeks or months of a new role. But let's back up a little bit to when you're actually actively recruiting somebody. I mean, Curtis, you, you recruit on a global level. So you're recruiting everywhere but a lot of organizations and a lot of hr people who are listening might have only ever recruited in their backyard so what are some tips for those people who are now just like dipping their toe in the pond of you know national or even regional compared to just like maybe the city that they're in yeah i think it all starts now with that online presence right it's 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 what your organization looks like to individuals if they just come across it uh, via social media or a web page um, making sure that you're having touch points with different people. You're probably going to start utilizing LinkedIn a whole lot more um, for certain roles. But it's also, I think you need to take a step back even, is if you're just dipping your feet in this, in this, in this pool of, of, of recruiting you know, on a national level, it's number one, okay, what are your roles that you're recruiting for? Because they're going to be different from manufacturing to technology to customer service. And then you almost have to take a look at, okay, where do I think this applicant pool would see us most? Is that on Facebook, on social media? Is that on LinkedIn, on social media? Is that just throwing out you know, ads on sites where people are looking for jobs? Indeed.com, other things like that. It's where you think your applicants are gonna be at. And if you don't have any idea, you kind of have to take a step back and say, okay, what does this role need? What does this role entail? your biggest asset is your current employee base. You know, it's pull from the people. How did you find our organization? That's why we always ask in every single interview, we ask, how did you find us? You know, how'd you find our company? Oh, it was, um, I saw you on Indeed. Okay, great. But our people are our biggest asset. Referrals are still our number one way that we get new people into the organization because from my side, I have to do less selling, right? Because this person already knows this individual works there, likes it enough to tell, to tell, tell me to go out and, and apply and get this or, or look for this job. So if you're just starting to do that, people know a lot of people. And so talk to your employees to find out what kind of friends they have or if they think that anybody would be interested in working there too. Um, you know, if they say no, you got a lot of other situations you got to deal with of like, okay, well, why don't you like working here? But a lot of times people will give you those referrals right off the bat and it gives you at least a starting point um, to be able to go get that. But also, again, well, how did you find our company? Talk to your employees. I don't think we do that enough sometimes. It's just they're a phenomenal resource for us. Yeah, I mean, I know there's only three of us here right now, but it's like raise your hand if you came to Wex because you were referred by somebody else. Because, like, I could raise my hand. I'm pretty sure Eric can. Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. if you can't see us all, we all raise our hands. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> within, you know, first before – you know, maybe considering those other tactics or other ways to get in front of your, your recruits. But yeah, that's well, a great tactic. Number, number one, it's free, right? It's free to ask your employees, how did you find us? And do you know anybody that would want to work here? Or offer a referral program um, for people if they have referrals that come in and get hired. So did we set up any sort of, I mean, I'm just thinking like now that you're going global or some of these HR leaders might be going national or regional, did we set up guardrails to say, hey, these types of roles are we can we think they can function as a remote 
or these ones would have to be in the office when we go back to the office someday, or here's where we're willing to bend versus here. Because I know you mentioned previously that people are looking for more flexibility than ever. So like, did we develop guardrails to make sure that, you know, we can meet the needs of these people while also meeting the needs of us as an organization? I think there's some roles that just, we don't have a choice and that's going to be what's going on out there too, because you look at like manufacturing jobs, people need to be in the building, but they'd still change for them too, right? There's this whole new safety protocol that they have to go through. So those, those individuals are still adjusting as well. And we have some within our organization that need to be on site, things that are working through the mail room, you know, within our organization, we have a lot of still paper things that are there and they just physically have to be there. As far as the other guardrails, you know, safety was our number one concern with our employees is, is getting them, them home and, and safe when this first rolled out. I think the organization is still, um, you know, walking through that and, and finding out what we're going to be able to do when we go, when we move forward. And, you know, recently I think a survey came out that talked about that to ask employees, what are you looking for? Are you looking for that flexibility? You want to be in the office? Do you want to be at home? Cause we're still kind of getting a, a beat on it. Um, but I think you're going to see that question come up more and more on the flexibility of what, what that opportunity is from everybody within the United States, especially if they do have the option to go virtual. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. And I, I wanted you said something previously about, um, you know, the referrals and it, it, I make this parallel to to marketing sometimes because, right, it's the same way. Your best your best weapon when you're telling your company brand is to let your customers do the talking for you because they're much more likely to trust a customer than they are to choice, you know, trust the voice of a brand or a company. And just like employees, right, when you're doing your your applicant brand, right, there's so much more likely. So I think it's really important to give your employees who are happy on megaphone and have them make sure they that they can share your 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 story. And I think a lot of that being proud to work at a company, right, and being and being happy with there um, is really interesting because um, a lot of that comes back to what what does the work environment look like? What does culture look like? And I'd be really curious to hear about. We've all seen photos of people having pizza parties and dressed up in Halloween costumes. And, you know, I'm still really curious, like given, uh, again, I'm guessing this, this new need to either want to work hybrid to kind of want the world, right? Like I want to work remote. I want to work in an office. What are my options here? Right? Like how do you, maybe it's a two prong question. First is, are you seeing the priority of benefits shift at all in this new world that has flexibility become the number one priority now because we've all gotten used to working from home or did I just make that up? And two, how, how does, how, how has culture sort of changed, right? Like how do you show cool things about culture in a more remote world? I, I'm curious about both of those things. I know you can handle both of those, Curtis, come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think from a benefit standpoint, flexibility is definitely moving up there and it's probably the, it, just because of what's going on. It's probably the, the biggest, one of the first questions that we get when they're talking about a role. Um, from that benefit side, because people have dealt with it and I think people like it. So there's going to be some adjusting on that side. They still ask the, the standard questions on our benefits, right? Uh, and, and everything on that side. But do you have a work from home option? Is this role work from home? And we post that obviously, so they know it is um, to be able to do that. But from a cultural side, you talk about, you know, the pizza parties and, and the things where we used to connect from potlucks and things like that. I think from a, from a cultural standpoint, we can still do it to an extent, but you can only, you can't do it in such large numbers as like you used to. Like if you're going on some of these virtual calls, I think, you know, five to 10 people in the conversation, you're going to have 
a, a connection. You're gonna make a connection with those individuals. And that's really what it is, right? It's finding a way to connect with another human being somehow. And that's what it is, to get to the, go to the pizza parties, to go to the potlucks. You're connecting with other people. Yes, there's great food, but you're really connecting with the people. And that's why they would put those on. You put those on because you get people away from their desks and into a, a place to have that. And you can still somewhat do that, but I don't think you can do it on a large scale. If you have a meeting with 50 people, very rarely does someone feel like they were connected or they were a part of that meeting. A lot of times you have to do it because that's the information that needs to get through. But when you're focusing on culture, when you're focusing on connecting, you have to have those smaller meetings to be able to do that. I have a team and we're, there's about five of us right now on, on a specific team that we meet with. We meet three times a week for a half hour just to like touch base where we're at. And it's become less about work topics and more about just what's going on. And we actually have a rule, and this is gonna be a little embarrassing, but if we need to talk about work, we logo say, I have a work question, so that everybody knows that we have a work <laughs> question and we have something that we need to talk about because it's making sure that we're still all a team and connected. And so I think with those smaller groups, you have a lot better opportunity to do that with that team versus the bigger ones. And sometimes if you have a bigger team, you can get chunks of people together, but you're also having one-on-ones with your supervisor or you should be, well, you can turn those into smaller groups and then you can rotate them too, especially if people on the team don't have, don't talk that often um, with it. So the more and more you can make on those, the better. And then I also think from an, from an employee standpoint and from a personal standpoint, something that's really helped for me is I have purposely scheduled half hour meetings with people that I haven't seen in a while with like no agenda. Today in our, in our virtual world, and if you are working remotely, like our lives are half hour blocks of these calls. And if typically you have a half hour to get through your agenda, right? And this is what you're gonna hit or an hour to do that. Well, giving yourself that space and that comfort to just go one off with somebody or two or three people that you purposely just plan. Again, it's making a connection with those individuals and that's where the culture comes from. So being very purposeful of scheduling those 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 appointments with different people to, to not have an agenda, um, I think it is, is great too, because we're still working. We're still, we end up talking about work anyway, every single time, I guarantee it, because that's your commonality. But you can also just breathe a little bit and that echoes into a lot of other things that are coming home with the, with, with the work from home standard of, you know, can I shut it off too? It's so funny that you bring that up because I had this exact same conversation with my leader this morning where I was like, man, now I can sense every single time that somebody gets on a call, you're instantly apologizing like, oh, I'm sorry. I was 30 seconds late. I didn't arrive at 1101 or 11 o'clock. I arrived at 1101. And you're like, I mean, when we were in the office, people got rolled in at like 1105 because they got stuck at the water fountain or, you know, talking to somebody else. And we just don't even have that grace for each other anymore. So like, I really, I live and breathe every moment trying to remember, I would have had this 30 minutes with Eric to have a conversation about something totally on work related. And you just have to build that in now. So, I mean, that definitely is what culture is now. So. Yeah, and it's hard sometimes to do that because we are so driven and, and we are just at work all the time. But if you can, again, be very purposeful about it, and it's like once a week, like that doesn't, that doesn't derail anything or kill anything, hopefully, even in hourly roles, you know, you've got 15 minute breaks here and there. And yeah, maybe you wanna step away from your computer uh, or, or things like that, but you have an opportunity to make those connections and, and make that pur purposeful um, culture there. Yeah, I love that. Um... 
Curtis, I feel like we've kind of opened Pandora's boxes. There's so many different things that we can talk about when it comes to the culture and, re, you know, and, and recruiting and retaining. And, um, it, you know, I'm going to ask a really difficult question. Um, if you were able to maybe give our listeners, if you had to boil down just to one, one tip, one piece of advice when it comes to recruiting or retaining talent in this, in this shifted world, what would it be? That's right. Huge question, Eric. Um, I, would say, <laughs> I would say for me, it's it's communicating your brand and make sure that it's transparent and real. And that that's probably the biggest thing is you can't put out false indications of who you are or what you do as an organization, and you can't make stuff up. People, they can see right through it, number one, and there's too many ways for people to be able to find out anything else that they want to. Um, you know, we're so digital now and everything is and information's at the tip of your finger. So I would say with your brand, with how you present yourself, with how you have people going through the applicant process or your recruiters, they have to be honest, transparent, and, and very um, um, culturally focused on that um, to be able to show that you are who you are. That's perfect because you're absolutely right, right? So either they can sniff it out because people are, you know, the people are going to websites, they're going to Glassdoor, they're going to wherever your online presence, their social media channels, right? They're going to get a really good vibe, so they can tell if it's a bit off. And and two, I have to imagine like this whole culture of well, I don't want to go from job to job. That's kind of out the window. Like people expect to have a great job, and if they don't like it, they're gone. And so if you create expectations of a culture or a company that's of A, B, and C, and it ends up being X, Y, and Z, there's a lot less hesitancy, right, to be like, well, I suppose I should stick this out. No, it's like you sold me a wrong bill of goods, and I'm gonna go find somewhere else, right? I, I feel like that's at least the temperature that I'm that I'm vibing. So yeah, add sales to the HR job description in 2021. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, and there's even statistics on that, Eric. That you know, it's like. And I'm going to butcher it too, but uh, in those first 90 days, it's like 90% or something of applicants are still open to other job opportunities. And so it's it's crazy the fact that, you know, if you're not connecting, if you're not making those um, connections with those those people as they come into the organization, like you said, the opportunities are there. They're gone. Yeah. So good, Curtis. So good. I, I can't thank you enough. Oh, so many, um, so many truth bombs and, and nuggets of wisdom uh, in one 25 minute episode. I really appreciate it. Lots to learn, lots to shift. So I know our HR professionals will appreciate your insight. Appreciate it. next time, man, if we have in the show, we got to have you pick up one of those guitars in the background and just play us a little riff if you could, man. I feel like we missed that opportunity. Nobody really wants that, you know. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. then Eric's going to start singing, and I think we covered at the beginning that we yeah. don't want that. Well, when I say benefits, you say buzz. No. Well, there it is. Okay, there it is. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Uh, I still good missed time. it. <laughs> Kelsey, there was no prep. There was no prep. Oh, too much fun. I don't want this episode to end. Thank you so much, Curtis, for coming on the show. We really appreciate yes. it. If I know it, maybe we'll have you back next season. Uh, this is always a topic uh, that's always of uh, most uh, interest for our listeners. So thanks again, sir. Yeah, thank you guys. Had fun. Good to see you. Wax is in the business of simplifying benefits for everyone. 
Now, although we certainly hope our podcast sparks some aha moments, like that was pretty cool, but of course we cannot provide legal investment or financial advice. And well, therefore, nothing shared in this podcast should be interpreted as such. We encourage you to seek out appropriate professional advice regarding your plans. Hey, congratulations. You made it through our disclaimer. (laughs) Thanks for listening.